Welcome to NoSpinHomilies.com. I invite you to join me to reflect upon the homilies of Father Dan. Father Dan will challenge us to open our heart, mind, and soul to the Word of God. Father Dan will draw upon sacred scripture along with art, literature, and the lives of the saints to help us grow in our love and knowledge of the scripture. In doing so, we can become the living Word of God in this world. Now it is my pleasure to present to you No Spin Homilies. In the Gospel for this weekend, it appears that the Pharisees are up to their old tricks. They're trying to trap Jesus again. They're trying to trump up some evidence so as to charge him and then execute him and kill him. Remember last week, it was the question of the census tax. Is it lawful to pay it or not? It seemed like the perfect trap, but Jesus cleverly got out of it. Well, now this week, the Pharisees try and trap Jesus again. In this case, they use the Torah or the Mosaic law. Now notice how it begins. When the Pharisees heard that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together and one of them, a scholar of the law, tested him by asking, Teacher, what commandment in the law is the greatest? Now it's important for us to really understand and appreciate the background here in order to recognize the context in which this gospel is set in. The Mosaic law, the Hebrew law, the Torah, was not just consisting of the Ten Commandments. No, many more. It all started during the Babylonian exile. And remember, during that time, the Babylonians conquered the Israelites and took them off into slavery to live in present-day Iraq. And they lived there for decades and decades as slaves. Now, during this time, they thought long and hard what happened. How could God abandon them? And what did they do to deserve this? Well, they finally recognized they weren't following the commandments at all. They weren't following God's laws. So, when they were freed and released to go home, when they finally reached home, Israel, they started to look at the Ten Commandments and they thought they needed more, more laws to govern them in order to prevent something like this catastrophe of the Babylonian exile from ever happening again. So they created their own laws, their own commandments, to the extent that they created 613 laws and commandments. Now, these laws and commandments govern not only religious, but also your daily life. From the moment you got up in the morning until the time you went to bed, these laws governed your life. From what you are to dress, how you are to dress, how you are to bathe, your hygiene, you know, eating, what's kosher, how you make things kosher, how you are to prepare food, how you are to clean your cooking utensils, even to prayer and worship, when you are to pray, how you are to pray, and what you are to pray. Now, it begs the question, why? Why so many laws and why follow them? Well, the Israelites believed it would prevent them from sinning against God. They were ritualistically pure. They would always be in a right relationship. They followed all these laws and they would be in God's favor. So we can naturally conclude these laws were laws of fear. You know, the sole motivating force of following all these laws was fear, fear of God and what God would do to them if they didn't follow these laws. 
Now, Jesus, knowing this, he answers the question, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the greatest in the first commandment. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. The whole law and the prophets depend upon these commandments. It's beautiful, isn't it? Jesus transforms laws of fear, the 613, and he reduces them down to two, into laws of love. Laws that were once followed, motivated by fear and fear alone, are now followed by love and love for God alone. That's the motivational force. And that's the radical concept that Jesus is trying to teach the Israelites. He's trying to convince them that faith in God is not rooted in fear. No healthy relationship can ever exist out of fear. Instead, Jesus is trying to teach them and us, faith in God must always be rooted in love. That's why a little while later, Jesus will quote the prophet Hosea, in which God says, it is love that I desire, not sacrifice. What Jesus is trying to teach us is at the very heart of faith, if you boil faith down to its nuts and bolts, it's all about relationship, our relationship with God. Our life, yes, it should be directed towards God, but it should be directed towards an all-embracing love and mercy that God has for us. A good question we should ask ourselves from time to time, what is the motivating force for us to live out our faith? Why do we come every Sunday for Mass? Why do we pray every day? Why do we do the corporal and spiritual works of mercy? Is it out of fear or love for God? Now, whatever it is will determine the type of relationship we have with God. Now, let me elaborate on that a little bit more. What I want to do is turn to St. Catherine of Siena. She's only one of four women that are declared doctors of our church. She wrote a book called The Dialogue. It's a great book. And in the dialogue, she describes three possible relationships that people will have with God. And they're all based on three different motivating factors. The first relationship, St. Catherine will say, that some people will have with God is a slave-to-master relationship. Now, the slave fears the master. The slave fears punishment or even being sold to an even worse or brutal master if it doesn't do what the master wants. So the slave is obedient to the master because of fear and fear alone. Well, St. Catherine says some people have that relationship with God. They are devout. They come to Mass every Sunday. They pray every day. They do the corporal and the spiritual works of mercy. But they do it because they fear God. They fear God. They see God as a judge, ready to pounce at any mistake that they make. They also fear damnation. Therefore, their faith is motivated by fear. Love is completely absent from their faith. St. Catherine writes that God does not want us at that level. Well, the next level of a potential relationship with God is one of friendship, but friendship with mercenary love. I like that. It's unique. Now, friends don't fear each other. No, they enter into a friendship because they enjoy each other's company. But it's based upon mercenary love, which means what? They each want to receive something from the other. Whether it's power, honor, whether it's pleasure, knowledge, a promotion at work, 
They each want something out of their own self-advantage. It's not based upon fear. It's not based upon love. It's based upon self-interest. That's why she describes it as mercenary love. We would refer to it as a quid pro quo. I'll do this for you if you do that for me. Now, St. Catherine says some people will have that type of relationship with God. They will come to Mass every Sunday. They'll pray every day. They'll practice the faith. They'll follow the teachings of the church, provided that God in return blesses them with a good life and a good marriage and a good career and a good health, all those things. And yet, St. Catherine says this is very dangerous. Why? Because God doesn't operate this way. He doesn't always answer our prayers when or how we want. Therefore, if a person has this type of relationship, their faith is tenuous at best. When their prayer isn't answered, well, then they won't practice their faith anymore. They won't come to Mass or pray because God hasn't given them what they wanted. God isn't paying them back for all that they've done for God. Now, the third stage or the third level in which some people have in their relationship with God, St. Catherine describes as lover to lover. This relationship is based upon a love, a mutually self-giving and genuine love. She writes, The lovers gaze upon each other, and each says to the other, My life is about the love I receive from you and the love I give to you. It's motivated by love alone, not by fear, not by mercenary love, by a pure, genuine, and sincere love. And so, when someone comes to Mass, they come because of love for God. When they pray, they pray because of love for God. When they practice the corporal and spiritual works of mercy, it's because their love for God is so genuine and sincere. Now, it's interesting to note the motivational forces amongst all three of these relationships. In a server-master relationship, it's motivated by fear. In the mercenary-love-friendship relationship, motivated by self-interest, what's in it for me. But in the lover-to-lover relationship, it's motivated by genuine love. See, now we know what Jesus is getting at in the gospel. St. Catherine of Siena says, we all tend to gravitate into these different relationships with God based upon the motivational force. And I think that's a great lesson for us all. Now, what is God's motivational force? His motivational force is pure, genuine love for us. God gives us everything that we need. He gives us life itself, our family, our friends, our house, our careers. He gives us his greatest possession, his only son, who dies on the cross for us. Everything we need to grow and to live forever, God gives us. What's the motivational force? Pure love for us. Therefore, our proper response to God's love is a genuine love ourselves, a love in which we return to God with no self-interest or no fear. See, this is where God wants us to be. St. Catherine in her book, The Dialogue, said, the lover-lover relationship is exactly where God wants us to be because that's where he is waiting for us. And so when we pray, when we come to Mass, when we perform the corporal and spiritual works of mercy, essentially what we're saying to God 
is my life is based upon the love I receive from you and the love that I return to you. See, now we begin to understand Jesus' response. Jesus says, the greatest commandment is, love the Lord your God with your heart, your mind, and your soul. Well, now we know what it means. It means God wants from us a genuine and sincere love, the same love that he gives to us. He wants to, all of us to be at that level of lover-to-lover relationship. And see, that's why his response is so radical. The Pharisees, the Jews, they know nothing about love. All they know is fear. And that's why they follow 613 commandments. But what does Jesus do? He radically changes it all. Not only the number, but the motivating factor. Instead of fear, it should be love. And instead of 613, just two, two simple commandments. And yet, herein lies the grace. Our love for God, pure and genuine, lover to lover, well, now it spills over and touches other people in our lives. We become a living reflection of the love that we have for God. Jesus says the second greatest commandment, love your neighbor as yourself. Well, we can do that. We know love because God loved us first. And realizing this, now now we can live out that relationship with God and how we interact with other people. How we simply live out our lives, how we conduct ourselves, tells all people about the loving relationship with God. Now, mind you, when Jesus talks about love, he doesn't mean in terms of an emotion or a passion or a feeling. No. Again, it's to will the good of another. And you can do that at the gas station, at the grocery store, to a complete stranger. You can say to that person, I will the best for you the best life, the best career, the best family. And I will pray for you and I'll counsel you and I'll be your greatest cheerleader. Well, now you have just loved that person. And see, that's what God wants for us. Nothing but the best. That's why God loves us so much. That's why we can love one another, will the good for others. See, the gospel is all about just that, recognizing the pure and genuine love the lover-lover to relationship that God wants for us all. And when we live into that relationship, it naturally spills over. And now we are able to love or will the good of other people because we become a living reflection of the relationship that we have now with God. Such that every time we pray, every time we come to Mass, every time we do works of charity and serve others in our communities, we tell God, My life is about the love I receive from you and the love I give to you. And may the peace and the grace of Jesus Christ rest upon you always.